have uh, today's reading, which is Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through to 15. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These, then, are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. This is God's word. Morning, everyone. My name's Scott. I'm the student minister. Let me pray as we begin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how we praise you that in your word you have given us everything that we need for life and godliness. Father, we pray that as we look at just these few verses this morning, that you would speak to us by your Spirit, that you would shape us to be more like Christ, that we might more be able to say no to God ungodliness and live uh, the way you have called us to live. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me start by asking you, what is the thing you can't say no to? What's the thing you can't say no to? I'm not talking about um, cake or chocolate or uh, French cheese. What's, no, what's the thing you, you really can't um, say no to? When the opportunity arises and it feels like you can do nothing else, What's the thing you can't say no to? Maybe, um, maybe it's grumbling when something doesn't go your way and you just can't say no to falling into self-pity and grumbling to, to anyone who'll listen. Maybe it's, it's sexual temptation and inability to, to, to say no when temptation crosses your path. Maybe it's, it, it's people. You're not able to say no to people you're constantly uh, trying to, to please other people, and so you're not able to say no to them. Whether you're a Christian or not this morning, all of us, we have things that we can't say no to, or that it feels like we can't say no to. Maybe those things that we've always um, struggled with. Just take a moment to, to, to think what that is for you. What's the thing you can't say no to? We would love the power to say no, wouldn't we? And the, the world gets that. Um, here's a quote I came across in the week from, um, from the guru that is Steve Jobs. Um, he said this, it's, it's only by saying no that you can concentrate on things that are really important. There we go. That's a, that's a wise saying to have on your fridge. Of course, he, you know, there he's talking about, what's he talking about? Efficiency, um, creativity. You, you know, you've got to be able to say no to some things in order to focus on the things that are really important. We sort of get that. But it's not just, not just in creativity, is it? It's morally, too. We need the power to say no. I don't know um, if you've been following um, the, uh, the trial of, of f- former footballer Ryan Giggs. Um, it's sort of been going on this week. He's, a, he's accused of, um, of assaulting his ex-girlfriend. It's not a particularly pleasant story. I wouldn't, wouldn't advise you to follow it if you haven't been. Um, but there's a stark admission um, in, the, in the middle of that that I read this week. Um, the, the lawyer, the, the prosecution lawyer, asked him, told, asked him this. He said, you've had relationships with many women. Have you managed to be faithful to any of them? 
Gig said, no. Laura continued, if a woman shows interest in you, are you able to resist? Gig said, no. Now, look, I'm not, I'm not saying that he's, um, he's worse than other people. It's a, it's a stark admission, isn't it? When you're in a court of law and someone asks you straight up, are you able to say no to that? He said, no, I'm not. I guess the example in, in our lives may be less ex- extreme, but if we were confronted with it, we were standing in a court of law and someone asks us the question, are you able to say no? Are you able to resist? What would we say? This morning's passage, and we see that God's grace gives us the power to say no. It enables us to say no to ungodliness. And it is a, a key part of the gospel that sometimes I think we, we push to the side, sometimes we forget. And the good news of Jesus is not just that we're saved from the consequences of our sin. You know, the punishment was, was paid in Jesus. It is that, but it's also that we're saved from the power of sin over us. So we can say no to ungodliness and yes to living like Jesus. That's what we'll see this morning. We'll see that, that godliness is, is actually the goal of grace. And the points um, on your hand out there, that grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and that Jesus died to make you godly. And so therefore, the, the obvious implication is be godly. That's where we're going uh, this morning. That's helpful uh, to you. Firstly then, grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Verse 11 again. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul tells Titus, look, the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Jesus has come to show God's undeserved kindness to each and every one of us. That grace offered to all people, not not just the the outwardly good, not just those who who meet some moral standards. No, all people. If you've been with us in in the previous weeks in in Titus as as we've worked our way through, chapter 2 is the spiritual health check for the church. But even that, even as we, as I guess, look, look a little bit inwards and see, are we, are we spiritually healthy? It's always with an outward focus. It's always with an eye to those on the outside. It's not primarily, um, for the church's sake, it's not primarily so we would all um, you know, congratulate ourselves for our um, godliness. No, it's so that those on the outside would look in and see something of the gospel at work in God's people. And so if you're, if you're not a Christian here this morning, let me say that the godliness of Christians is for your benefit. Um, it's to show you something of the good news of, of the Christian message, to show you that Jesus is, is powerful to change people. Maybe um, he could change you too, uh, if you would let him. Grace teaches us, Paul says, to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. What does that mean? What does it mean that grace teaches us 
um, to say no. There are lots of different ways to teach, aren't there? I guess we've all experienced that uh, through our, our various years of schooling. And the, the, there's the teacher who just barks instructions um, from the front and demands um, that, that, that the class toe the line. I guess you could teach like that. You could, you could teach by crushing and people one by one, going around the class one by one, crushing people into submission until they, I don't know, do their long division or whatever it might be. It's not, it's not the sense that, that, that Paul is, is telling us that grace teaches us to say no to ungodly. It's not sort of barking of instructions. It is a, a, an ongoing training. It is the, the, the coaching of someone who comes alongside and is right there with you, teaching you that, that no, it's, it's, it's not like this, it's like this. It's not ungodliness. It's self-controlled, upright, godly lives that we're to be living. It's, it's living the right way, living like Jesus. And that is what grace teaches us. It's a little bit like um, this teaching. It's a little bit like the way the pe- a parent and teaches their child. There's 101 things that a parent over and over again teaches their child. Maybe it's um, an example in our household, put, teaching you to put on your socks. You ever, thought, you ever actually stopped and thought how, how actually quite difficult it is to put on your socks? Um, until you're trying to teach someone, uh, it doesn't really cross your mind. But once you get it, it's obvious, isn't it? It's obvious how you put on your socks. But you need to be shown. And you need to be taught again and again, no, not like that, like this, not inside out, the right way round, um, not onto your head, onto your foot. You need to be, be, be shown it and told it uh, time after time. And, 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 and the parent in their, in their best moments gently encourages you, you know, not like that, like this, not like that, like, like this. You keep going and somehow um, most of us learn to put on our socks. And it's, it's a bit like that, that as grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and yes to living like Jesus. And grace doesn't, doesn't sort of snap at us when somebody gets it wrong. No, gently encourages us. Not like that, like this. I guess those, um, those lists of characteristics, um, upright, godly, self-controlled, they're not sort of at the top of the world's to-do list, are they? What will I do today? I'm going to grow in self-control, in upright living. And maybe as you, as you hear it, as you read it, it just sounds a little bit stuffy, a little bit restrictive. Why would anyone want to live like that? A couple of things to say. Um, firstly, this is not legalism. Okay? This is not um, the Bible saying, just try really hard and reach some moral standard, just, you know, be, be better than most people, above average, and you'll be fine, and, you know, somehow God will love you. It's not that. It's not legalism. And the Bible always says that, that godliness is always the best way to live. That is, in the end, we sort of all know um, the way we ought to live, the way we want to live, if only we had the power to do it. What does it look like? Well, I think say no to ungodliness and yes um, to living like Jesus. Well, it's responding to a harsh boss 
um, not, not, with a, not with a roll of your eyes, not by just going around and gossiping with everyone else. All, all that does is make your workplace a, a miserable, tense place uh, to work. You know, it's, I guess it's getting on with your, your work as best you can and looking to, to encourage and support others in the team. And maybe, yes, maybe it will mean uh, reporting your boss, but not and because you want to get one over on them, but because you want what is right. You want justice in your workplace. And so godliness in the end would, I think, it, well, it would make your workplace a better place to be. Godliness, it, it would make your community better. Just think if, if you try to love that slightly strange neighbor, you know, the one who everyone else just sort of ignores and avoids. What if you chose to, to look out for them, to, to love them, to give them a bit of time? It would make our communities better. Godliness, it would, it would make our homes better. As, as you say no to the ungodliness of, of losing your temper and when you don't get your own way and instead learning to to grow in patience and kindness. Godliness, it, it, it makes your life better as, as we learn to deal with disappointment, to not be consumed by, by bitterness, but to learn contentment. That is better, isn't it? Godliness is better for us and for those around us. It's better now, Paul says, it's better in this present age to live like that. And he says it, it's way better in the future because Jesus is coming back. Do you see that in verse 13? We're to live godly lives, upright, self-controlled, godly lives while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul says, be godly now. Learn to say no to ungodliness now because Jesus is coming back. And when he does, we will be so glad that we learn to say no to ungodliness and yes to living like Jesus. It's a wonderful encouragement, isn't it? That while we wait for Jesus' return, we're not just sort of sitting around and twiddling our thumbs. We're learning to say no to ungodliness and yes to living like Jesus. And of course, that is all part as as. Paul pointed out at the beginning, by God's grace. It's not actually you and me. It's not just pulling our socks up and hoping for the best. It is Jesus' work in us while we wait for his return. Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. But that's not all. If it, was, if it was just that, I guess we could be in danger of just thinking, come on, guys, let's, let's try a little bit harder. Let's learn to say no. Let's learn to say Yes. We need, we need this reminder, we need the second uh, point, that Jesus died to make you godly. Jesus died to make you godly. Verse 13. We're to live like this. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself our people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. See, Jesus is our great God and Savior. He is the perfectly good 
upright, self-controlled, just, righteous God. And he wants to make us more like him. He saves you from your ungodliness in order that you might be more like him. What has Jesus done to make that possible? What, what, what price has he paid um, to make you and me godly? Well, he gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness. And there we were, slaves to sin, with absolutely no power to say no. And Jesus bought us back and by his death on the cross so that we are now no longer enslaved to sin and wickedness. That is what, what Jesus' death and resurrection has achieved for you if you're trusting in him. And he has freed you to live like him. I think sometimes we can get this wrong, can't you? Maybe, um, maybe you're just looking in on Christian things. And, and it sometimes sounds like the gospel, the Christian message, is just simply a ticket to heaven. You know, it's the way I can ensure uh, that I get to heaven. But it is much more than that. It is changed lives. It is the power to say no. And it is the power to make a positive difference in the world, what so many people are working so hard to try and do to make a positive difference. That's what Jesus has done by dying for us. He's redeemed us, but he's also... And he also did it to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Again, I guess out in the world, purity is not a, it's not a popular word, but here it is a glorious thing. Look at it. To be washed clean and made to belong to the Lord Jesus. Just see how, how deeply personal it is in these verses. Jesus gave himself to purify for himself a people who are his very own. That is, Jesus washes you clean and makes you ready to be his, to belong to him. It's a bit like, um, imagine a, a battered old chair um, at, a, a, at the scrap heap, ready to be, to be crushed and incinerated. And yet along comes a, a, a master furniture restorer and he buys the chair and, and brings it home. But he doesn't, he doesn't just leave it in the state that it's in. No, he, he takes it to his workshop and he begins to knock off the, the rough edges and he begins to rid it of, of the woodworm that is destroying it from the inside out. And he gives it a, a, a new coat of, of varnish and he patches up the lining and he sorts out the, the, the cover. So once again, that chair is beautiful and useful and a blessing to others as, as, as the owner puts it in pride of place. That is, that is what um, Jesus has done for you this morning if you're a Christian. You belong to Jesus. You are his very own. He has bought you at exceptional cost, um, the cost of his own life. And he is at work in you to make you beautiful, to restore you. So that you might be a blessing to others, so that you might display his glory. 
It's extraordinary, isn't it? What a privilege to think that that is what Jesus is doing in you. That that was his plan all along. If I can put it like this, when Jesus was going to the cross, he was thinking about your godliness. He was imagining how his grace would change you and shape you in in the mundane things as well as in the spectacular. Jesus died to make you and me godly. And of course, if we get that, then we'll be eager to do what is good. You'll want your life to reflect his goodness and his glory. You'll want your response to to insult or to hardship to bring him honor. It's what he bought you for. Jesus died to make you godly. And so the the implication for us then, I, I think is obvious, isn't it? It's not complicated. If grace teaches you to say no to ungodliness, and if Jesus died to make you godly, then we are to be godly. You and I are to allow God's grace to teach us, to teach us to say no to ungodliness and yes to living like Jesus. That's what um, Paul, as he wraps up this section, urges Titus to teach to his church. Verse 15, these then are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. See, it won't always be popular but it is what we need to hear, teach these things. So let, let, let me do that. Let me, two, two things uh, that Paul encourages Titus to do, encourage and rebuke. Let's do the rebuke first. Um, some of us, I guess, this morning, we need, to, we need to be urged, we need to be rebuked. Get going, get going with godliness. Maybe, I guess, some of us are just feeling a bit, a bit lazy, too lazy to, to say no to ungodliness. We just, we can't quite muster up the, the energy. But do you see that if that's you, you're missing out on a key blessing of the gospel and you're stopping others from, from seeing the gospel at work in you. So you don't want to do that. Others, um, it's, not, it's not that we're lazy, it's that we're scared maybe um, scared of the consequences of living differently, scared to live distinctively at work um, because of the impact it might have on relationships or on career, scared of, of trying and failing, scared of messing up again. I guess if that's, if that's you, the encouragement here is, is, can't you see how much bigger Jesus' work is? Jesus is way bigger than any of those fears. He died to make you godly. He can do it. He will do it. Not just where it's easy, but particularly where it's hard, where it's really hard to say no to ungodliness. But his grace is able to teach you That's the rebuke, I guess. The, the encouragement. The encouragement, I think, is that, that, that many of you will be doing it already. You'll know what it is to, to say no to ungodliness and yes to living like 
Jesus. And you'll know, even in the midst of the cost of it, the blessings of living that way. But I guess there'll be, there'll be some this morning who, who are weary, um, where godliness is, is costly and is hard. And maybe you're not tempted to give up on Christ, but you are tempted to give up on, on godliness. Just a little bit too much effort. Well, the encouragement here is to keep going. And godliness is, is the goal of grace. It is the reason that Jesus died. And so don't give up. As you strive to be more like Jesus, you're actually living out the gospel. Don't give up. For all of us, I guess, wherever we, we come at these things, here's one very practical thing. The next time, the next time you face that thing that you just can't say no to, why not, say, why not pray, Lord, your grace is teaching me to say no to ungodliness? Why not, why not pray that when you face it? And just as we close, imagine if we all lived like this. Imagine if this week we all went out and said no to ungodliness and yes to living like Jesus. Just imagine the impact it would have on our homes and on our workplaces. Why don't we, why don't we try? Why don't we try this week and see the difference it might make? Not, 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 not by just pulling our socks up and trying a little bit harder, but by looking to Jesus, the one who cares more about our godliness than you or I ever could. Jesus died to make you godly. So what, we, what we're going to remember in a moment in the Lord's Supper, as we remember that Jesus died to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people who are his very own. That is, as we reflect on his sacrifice for us, as we feed on him in our hearts by faith, and we are being strengthened to do just this, to say no to ungodliness and yes to living like Jesus. As we prepare to do that, let me, let me lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, how we, how we praise you for Jesus' death for us that redeems us from all wickedness, that purifies us to be his. Father, that, that feels so different to our experience so much of the time, but thank you that your grace does teach us, can teach us, will teach us to say no to ungodliness and yes to living a self-controlled, upright and godly life. Father, please help us to do that. Please help us to grow in that grace that others might see and that others might see what, what difference the gospel makes, that you might be glorified as you go to work in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.